Tanajan was just explaining that uh, recently someone was asking the question, um, they've been meditating for many years and in their early period of practice used to get very peaceful but then over time that sense of peace or level of peace has seems to have declined and they're now not very peaceful, they, they still do the meditation but the mind is... Uh, seems to be easily distracted and difficult to maintain mindfulness. So he was just answering them about the development of the peace of the mind, the development of the practice. He was getting them to review how um, to develop a good foundation in practice and that is to see that when we use a meditation object uh, such as the breath or a mantra like Bhutto after um, developing mindfulness on this for a while, we might find that the mind gathers together, unifies in one-pointedness, uh, just for a p short period of time, maybe for a few minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. Um, this is what we call kanika samadhi, momentary concentration. Or even going a little bit deeper than that, uh, the mind might seem to gather together, unify for a period, maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, a bit longer, and the sense of um, pity and sukha and the sense of peacefulness seems a bit deeper, a bit more profound. It's what we call upajara uh, samadhi, uh, access concentration. But then the problem is one experiences that those periods of um, where the mind becomes one-pointed, mindful on its object and then seems to withdraw back to a state where there's not very much mindfulness at all um, and back to a sense of distraction. And so the other part of the practice isn't just um, doing the meditation and getting to this state, but it's how to preserve this state, how to maintain the state of peace uh, and the only way to do that is to keep repeating the exercise regularly, frequently, practicing meditation frequently uh, and learning how to calm the mind down. Um, and what will help in this sense of maintaining uh, the peace between periods of meditation and maintaining the level of the mind so that it doesn't just fall back into distraction and go back to a more coarse state what will help is what we call body contemplation. Uh, having attained even just a few moments of peace, calm, then one turns to contemplate uh, one's own physical body uh, to see it in light of the three characteristics. So that's impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and not-self. This is the method of practice we call um, wisdom developing samadhi in that one develops a little bit of peace and then one uses that as a basis, as a foundation for contemplating the body uh, to see anicca, dukkha, anatta or impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and not self in the body, any aspect of the body um, that one takes up for contemplation, one contemplates to see these three characteristics and the result of that is it brings the mind back to peace and it preserves what peace one has attained and it also brings the mind to a deeper sense of peace and one will be able to keep returning to this sense of unification of mind, the Kanika Samadhi, the Upajara Samadhi, if one is practicing regularly.
So this is what we call wisdom developing samadhi. So all the all the aspects of practice are heading towards the same point. That is to develop state of uh, peace and clarity where one can see one's attachments, one's upadana, and um, using wisdom skillfully abandon, let go of various attachments which cause the mind suffering. All the methods of practice are aiming for that. And probably the quality that it lies at the heart of this practice is the development of firm mindfulness, sati. But having said that, then of course there are different uh, aspects and t different techniques one can use. So say for the practice of meditation, just calming the mind, one is, can use um, various samatha techniques like reciting the mantra, bhutto or dhammo or sankho. One can um, use anapanasati, the breath meditation. One can use the meditation on the body to see the body as one of the four elements, so the air element, fire element, earth or water element, just focusing on that one particular element. Or one can focus on the unattractiveness of the body or one part of the body via super meditation. All of these practice one are bring, learning one is learning to bring the mind to a state of calm where it's not distracted, it's not caught into different emotions, uh, negative emotions, and it's um, got beyond what we call the hindrances. To, um, one has to find for oneself what works, what, what particular meditation technique works, and the way one knows is looking at the results. This, one learns to become skilled in, in making, bringing one's mind to a sense of peace and calm. And once one can see the mind going in that direction, then one, one keeps developing that, that meditation. Um, but the idea is to learn to use calm, the calm that one develops as a basis for insight. And of course, one, when developing insight, one is contemplating anicca, dukkha, anatta, the three characteristics. One can apply that to oneself internally, to one's uh, physical body, one's mental, uh, mental experiences, feelings and thoughts and so on. Or one can turn to contemplate the world around one, uh, different objects, material things, other people and so on. The idea being brings wisdom to the mind, brings the mind to understand the simple truths of, about nature that we are all impermanent, everybody and everything in this world, impermanent, uh, unsatisfactory, not self. And again, the sort of measuring stick or the, uh, the guideline to whether that's working is the sense of peace and ease one has when confronting and dealing with the changes that one faces as a human being, the changing nature of this world. That could be one's personal change of, say, one's physical aging, sickness, dif discomfort, different kinds of painful experiences one has with the body, that kind of change. Not bringing suffering to the mind because one can see clearly with mindfulness and wisdom oh, it's the nature of the body to be subject to change. Or it could be the change of the world around us, the material world, physical world, other people, other things around us changing. And again, the, the mindfulness and the wisdom is clear enough not to get caught up into that. One has a sense of 
detached understanding of reality whenever one is affected by change. These are the kind of um, signs or results one can expect as one contemplates. Now these two aspects of the practice, the development of the sense of calm and peace through meditation and then development of wisdom, they go hand in hand, uh, support each other and they've been tried and tested by our teachers so Ajahn Chah has practiced in this way and we can have faith and confidence that he as an enlightened teacher he found results practicing in this way and out of compassion he passed his um, his teaching and this way of practice on to us so we can take faith in that and the thing to do now is say having come to find these teachings come into contact with them is to really give it your sincere effort and commitment and try not to get caught into the, the doubting mind that likes to think mm, maybe there's some other better better method for me or some method I'll get quicker realizations quicker understanding get enlightened more quickly and that's the sort of the worldly conditioning we have we come from a background where we're always chopping and choosing and trying to find what's better and go here and there but the result of that is the mind doesn't settle down in the practice so really the thing to do now is having found a good teacher and a good method is to really put it to the test with through your own efforts and practice with it it's natural in the beginning to have these doubts about the practice to be wondering how to practice uh, what methods to use what methods will give me quick results and particularly these days with the uh, large number of teachers different centers monasteries or the different media that can convey the Dhamma to us then that only gives us food for more doubts um, Venerable Ajahn Chah was very direct though in his teaching he always said just practice mindfulness and go to that place in the middle place of uh, detached equanimity where you're just knowing your experience and you're not caught into the emotions of either liking and delighting in things or disliking and averse to things and the way we practice this is through the practice of mindfulness with sense contact. As human beings we have our six senses which are receiving sense data information all the time. That's these six senses we call the ayatana. So the internal ayatana, our eyes, ears, nose, tongue, the touch of the body and the um, mind itself these meet with the external ayatana meaning the sense objects that we're receiving all the time so we the eyes see forms ears hear sounds and so on the way to practice here is using mindfulness developing bringing up mindfulness at each moment of sense contact and you might ask yourself to begin with you know, how do I feel as I see something or as I hear something Am I caught into the pleasantness of this experience or the unpleasantness of it? You will notice how the mind tends to mentally proliferate. It forms emotional reactions and thought concepts around each sense contact, going to the two extremes, either one of attraction or aversion, liking or disliking. But Lumpur Chara said the through the power of mindfulness and wisely reflecting and observing our experience we learn to keep our mind in the middle because this is where we can see the Dhamma 
and we'll see the three characteristics of existence in all dhammas, meaning in all phenomena, physical and mental. We'll be able to see the impermanence, the unsatisfactoriness and the lack of self in phenomena. So our job or our practice is to build up this one who knows or the sati, the mindfulness, the state of knowing or awareness. And this is what keeps the mind in the middle. Once we're learning to keep the mind in the middle in this way, then we can actually teach our own mind. We can actually teach it to understand truth better because it's at this place in the middle that it's not attaching to the emotional extremes. And when it's not going to either delighting in or averse to phenomena, then peace arises and it's from this peace that wisdom grows out of our experience. Practicing like this, this is where sila, our morality, samadhi, concentration, panya, insight, all emerge together in the mind, gradually together, supporting each other. So to begin with, our real aim and problem or concern should be how can I develop sati, develop more mindfulness, bring up this mindfulness and how to develop it continuously in a continuous way in all postures. It's from this continuity of the presence of mind that comes with mindfulness that samadhi or firmness of mind develops. And from this foundation of uh, continuous mindfulness and the firmness of samadhi, this is where insight emerges and we can see and understand truth. As we practice mindfulness, we call this where We just keep returning to a meditation object and keep bringing up mindfulness of that object. We learn to do this until we can reach um, a point where we start to experience a little bit of peace. And it's at that point that the, these doubts about teachers and the right way to practice and where to do it and all of that, that will start to drop away because we have this internal peace which is more reliable and something tangible that we know for ourselves uh, is true. We say, oh, I can feel this sense of peace and calm. Once you experience this peace and calm, then you, of course, won't need to ask other people so much, read books, go around traveling around to find different teachers because you have something you know for yourself is peaceful because it's arising from within you. If you are still doubting and you're still reading and asking and talking and traveling around, well, the problem there is that you tend to actually end up further away from the practice of mindfulness. Your mind becomes more distracted, more dispersed and further from the truth. But once we experience this calm, then this, the presence of mindfulness and, the, and the, this true feeling of peace and the clarity and wisdom that comes from it, and that will help our doubts to diminish and we'll develop some real insight. So we have to accept that in the beginning we need the various supportive qualities in our practice. We need the effort the patience, the endurance and that summoning up of persistent energy to keep developing mindfulness. Of course we want to be peaceful, everybody wants that. But the reason we don't yet feel much peace is because our practice of mindfulness is not very continuous and therefore that sense of peace and calm cannot arise. Even when we do struggle and strain and we finally get a little bit of peace, it still disappears on us. Um, we can even feel that 
having achieved some peace and had some good experiences in our practice, it's as if um, having come out of that peace, the greed, the anger, the delusion, all the different kinds of suffering all return again. Um, and the, we, we just get caught into doubt again. Where did the peace go? Why can't I do it again? Why can't I achieve it again? We have to remember that the way greed, anger, delusion manifest, uh, what we call the five hindrances to the development of meditation, that is uh, sensual delight, uh, anger, aversion, uh, sloth, torpor, sleepiness, worry and uh, doubt, these five hindrances, they can also seem to develop in their own way as well. So we might be able to sometimes get beyond them and experience some peace, but uh, having come back out of that peace and then uh, carrying on with things, the hindrances seem to throw up something else that we haven't contemplated or met before and they seem to be able to trick us again and we, we lose all of our peace and we can't get beyond them. They seem to have their own ability to develop and um, fool us or, or become more obstructive than before. The only way we can deal with that is to um, just keep returning to contemplate, contemplate bringing up mindfulness and contemplate the hindrances. And we have to keep contemplating the source of them, the root of them, where if we're caught into worry, where the worry is coming from, where the sleepiness is coming from, keep returning to mindfulness um, and not let these different moods and, and emotional states, negative emotional states, c take over the mind and cause more confusion. The real way to do this, uh, the only way to do this, is to develop continuous mindfulness really keep bringing the mind back to that point and make it very firm in all postures the only way that's the only way to develop a deeper level of samadhi and firmness of mind and of course that takes much effort and time one has to keep returning to the practice keep doing this over time the more states of peace we experience then this makes it more easy to contemplate and see the three characteristics in our experience whether it's the physical body or our feelings, our moods. Every time we see the three characteristics of Anicca Dukkha Anatta clearly then it will bring, give rise to a sense of letting go or liberating the mind from its attachment, what we call vimuti. And it might just be a temporary liberation, Tatanga Vimuti, where we just have enough calm and enough awareness just to quietly, um, briefly let go of something, developing a bit of insight into it. Um, but if you keep doing that regularly, then that is laying the foundations, the cause for a, a deepening of one's insight and it, eventually one will start to experience what we call Samucheda, uh, Vimuti where the mind is, is maybe completely uprooting a particular defilement and that won't bother one anymore but it has to develop like in this way in uh, little moments of insight developing to the point where one is finally able to see through something and not be bothered by it anymore the way uh, the Buddha talked about this the development of insight uh, he talked about the, the nine Vipassana insights uh, and these come up little by little as we continue to practice. Uh, these are insights into the impermanent nature of experience and 
with this insight we get different experiences such we have a sense of the fearfulness of a, attaching to anything because once you can see it as impermanent whether it's a physical object our own body other people's bodies or the material world or it's uh, mental things concepts emotions feelings and such when we see the impermanence of these things then we really start to fear them in the sense we know they're, they're just not dependable and we should let go of them we also start to feel more fed up tired of attaching to things and so on this is the way the insight um, knowledges start to develop in the mind so naturally it wants to let go of things more it becomes a skill that we have um, it's the res natural result of the practice and little by little this brings a deepening sense of peace as the mind prefers to be detached from things prefers not to attach to not to get caught up in things it prefers to use wisdom to just quietly detach from things and with this sense of deepening peace arises and the light, of course the mind will let go more easily then and little by little it will separate from that which it normally attaches to its upadana this whole way of practice it just becomes more natural then more easy for the mind as it progresses and it will fall in line with the truth uh, the more the mind sees the truth understands truth then this will release more energy and the practice will no longer be such a struggle or something that one feels one has to do or something that one's even averse to doing but one will quite naturally want to practice one has a lot of energy and enthusiasm for the practice so it's at this point you might say that um, our effort and energy in the practice starts to become more automatic more natural uh, more effortless to, to, to put effort into the practice we don't need to compel or force ourselves to sit meditation walk meditation the mind really wants to do it because we're starting to experience more pity and sukha uh, rapture and internal happiness uh, this is the the nourishment of the mind and it makes us feel very good inside so that we want to practice at first we're practicing more maybe because of um, just our inspiration we've heard the Dhamma and thought about the Dhamma we've seen this there's some suffering in Sangsara and we can see our attachments have brought us suffering um, but this inspiration is still a bit shaky or uh, patchy sometimes we have it sometimes not and when it, when it fades then greed anger delusion in different forms can still come up very strongly and overwhelm our mind so while our inspiration and the different qualities of the practice are still a bit patchy in this way a bit uncertain we have to establish our mind and practice firstly in sila just to protect ourselves and restrain the mind from its um, more extreme tendencies towards greed anger and delusion so we use sila we use the precepts our morality and our basic uh, forms of external training just just to guard ourselves um, in the beginning of the practice but later um, as we practice sila and we keep pra developing mindfulness more continuously and some the mind becomes firmer with samadhi then inwardly we feel more cool more happy so the more extreme kinds of greed anger delusion won't overwhelm the mind so much and we'll have actually have more uh, rapture and more happiness to replace those more coarser mind states 
and we can even sometimes have very amazing, wonderful experiences in the practice of meditation. Once one experiences a little more of this internal rapture and happiness, then of course, gradually one's laziness and apathy will disappear. Um, and one will actually see clearly for oneself, oh, the unpeaceful mind, it's really not good for me. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to go back there anymore. I just want to keep training now and keep developing a cooler, more peaceful state of mind. Um, so the mind really wants to practice. No one has to force it to do it. Um, it really wants to do the meditation uh, and do whatever it has to do to experience more peace and develop more wisdom. At this point, then it's quite straightforward and quite natural to, for the mind to want to turn to contemplate Dhamma. Um, it's easier. One doesn't have to, to try so hard to do that. So one turns and contemplates, frequently to contemplates maybe the anicca, dukkha, anatta of this body or the asupa of this body, the unattractive nature of this body. And because the mind is now more refined, more settled in itself, contemplating the body in this way actually gives rise to pity and sukha. So it's actually enjoyable and brings up a sense of happiness to see the, say, the unattractive one and impermanent nature of this body. Uh, with with that sense of um, internal happiness arising, there's a sense of interest in the practice, so it's not boring, and one has no more doubts about it. One knows it's something good, useful, and that really brings peace to the heart. And this is where one's internal sadhar or confidence starts to arise. It's no longer a kind of patchy or temporary inspiration based on just hearing Dhamma or thinking about the Dhamma a little bit. This is one's own internal faith or confidence in the practice, the experience of the practice. One knows for oneself that it's the right thing to do because it's bringing one peace and happiness. And this kind of internal arising of faith and confidence brings forth more energy, more effort. From this energy, one's directing it to the, the development of mindfulness. So one's mindfulness improves, is more continuous, and from that the firmness of samadhi and the calm of samadhi arises, and from that supports the deepening of one's insight. So these are what we call the five strengths or powers in the practice of meditation, sata, viriya, sati, samadhi, and panya. And they're gradually perfected or brought to completion in this way. At first, when we practice, they're not particularly balanced. You know, we have some faith and confidence sometimes, but maybe not yet much energy. Or sometimes we seem to have a little bit of peace from samadhi, but we haven't yet developed much wisdom and so on. They're not quite balancing each other. They're not quite perfected together. But as we develop the practice, then all five qualities come up and they work together and support each other and arise together in the mind. So they, they become one kind of momentum, one kind of momentum or, or powerful force in the mind. This is why they're called the five spiritual powers. And as they all work together, particularly the arising of wisdom, it will mean that we have no more doubts about these sort of truths. You know, this body is impermanent, unsatisfactory, it's not a self. Doubts about that will disappear. Um, the sense of 
personal identification with this body and mind, what we call Sakaya Ditti, will tend to disappear because one knows it's just an impermanent phenomena. One's bodies, one's feelings, memories and thoughts, these are just impermanent phenomena, conditioned phenomena. Um, so these five powers working together in the mind, what, these are what give us the strength to go against the stream of the world, the flow of the world. Normally the world is represented in our heart, in our mind by desires coming up which feed attachments and delusions. But with these five powers present, well those desires and attachments fade, fade away and this is what really um, brings insight, true insight to the mind. And you can see then even if one hasn't yet fully let go of everything, one can see clearly the way to go, the way to practice to let go of one's attachments. And one can see or have confidence in oneself then that it's only really a matter of time now if I just keep practicing like this one day at some point in the future I will have to see the Dhamma. One has no doubt about that because one can see the effectiveness of the practice for oneself within one's own experience. <laughs> 